Hi, welcome to What You Reading Dude. It's Jamie, Lauren, and Lisa. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figure this is a good way to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts. Enjoy! week we wanted to chat about Jedediah Jenkins book like streams to the ocean and Jedediah is someone that I came in contact with maybe a year or so ago when I read his first book he took a bike ride from Oregon to Patagonia I was super intrigued by that idea so I read his book and I found that more than a travel writer I found him as more of a modern day philosopher. And I just find his ideas and his thoughts so interesting. And I thought it would be really fun. He came out with a new book that's more philosophy, less travel, but (laughs) he's got a lot of ideas. The chapters range from life to family, friendship, love. And I thought the three of us, we took a road trip down to San Diego Uh, to work for a week in the sunshine and I thought it would be really fun to bring this book along I had just gotten it and to try reading it aloud on our drive and then to have some like interesting conversations about it and I find it really fun with books I tend to consume books like these too fast and I don't really get the chance to let the ideas sink in and and process them with other people and it was really fun to bring our own thoughts and ideas to this And anyway, I wanted to chat about your experience with reading a book aloud together on our drive. Well, and I guess we should say too, so we we didn't read this continuously along the road trip, but when we kind of had a steady stream of rotation of music, podcast, and the book. And so I think it really allowed for time We'd read one chapter at a time and then, you know, jump on to like a rest stop or mm-hmm. music. And so it really allowed time to let that chapter sink in, you know, and give yourself time to mull it over. And having somebody else read a chapter where you're not always just like deep in your head and let your thoughts kind of go in and out. It, it was nice to have variation on who was reading it, you know? And yeah. And setting. it was different than just listening to an audiobook. Like, I could have just turned on Jed reading the book. <laughs> and that would have been a different experience. Mm. But this was fun and different. I had never done this before. I had not. Same. Not since popcorn reading in fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Which was so terrifying. <laughs> and only right. one this sentence. This was not terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, little at the beginning. Little, yeah. But... It was interesting, though, because... I felt like when you two were reading chapters, I could just let my mind wander and take it as it comes and just mm-hmm. let the setting of the middle of California in the book all work together in the setting. And then when it was my turn to read, A, I was really focused on, like, what is English? Like, you know, making <laughs> sure I was saying all the words right. Yeah, um, yeah reading Reading words aloud, words that aren't your own aloud, is a test all in of itself. Yeah. Okay. Getting your brain Definitely and your mouth to work. Good practice. Oh, 
correctly and, and you don't realize how many words you are reading incorrectly in your brain mm-hmm. until you need to say them out loud right and it helps like slow down your reading a lot it does. because yeah. i mean we've talked about it a million times before but we like tend to skip mm-hmm. kind of sentences mm-hmm. here or there or, like notice that we're skipping forward in our mind so it definitely helps slow it down and help us yeah, yeah digest yeah yeah a lot easier but then i felt like really zoomed in to and connected to the chapters that I did read like yeah. home for example like that took me by surprise because w- what he was writing about just really struck home like it hit me harder than I was expecting that's the one that made us all yeah. cry yeah, <laughs> yeah and like I couldn't like one. I was so focused on the words like and Jamie was sitting in the back seat at the time and Lauren was driving so I didn't notice that if other people were losing it too and I just <laughs> suddenly like I couldn't say it. these things Can and attest. yeah and like this isn't mm-hmm. you know this isn't a huge spoiler or anything but there there are times in the book where Jed is like I couldn't say this to you in person, but this is me telling you. And those moments were so visceral mm-hmm. and just so easily relatable yeah. of like the things yeah. that go unsaid it, that you maybe don't even realize need to be said because you, at a point you're like, well, we're older. Maybe these things have already been worked out internally. And then there are moments where it's like, even, even if you think it, doesn't need to be said sometimes it's worth it to say it you know Mm. yeah I find that he has a way of putting these super common human emotions that you almost are so they're so common and so internal that you don't have words for them and you don't realize that other people are experiencing them the same way Mm -hmm. and he has somehow put words to those feelings Mm -hmm. like the idea that that there are all these things you wish you could tell your mom, but you just can't. And so you write them down and put them in a book for, like, the world to see. Like, how insane is that? But I, I love it. I really relate to him on that because, not with mothers, but, like, I have a very intense fear of, like, confrontation. And not that it's confrontational, but it is, like, putting your emotions out there one-on-one to someone is not something... Mm-hmm. that I am comfortable with and it's something I'm trying to work on but in relationships past I have had to like step away and like write things down and like give someone a note or like that give works. them a letter yeah. and yeah. that's how I am able to like communicate in relationships when things get hard mm-hmm. and it's not great it's not I mean I should be able to like say things to people's faces but that's I something. related very heavily with yeah. that part because that is how I have to deal with confrontation. But also, I think I'm just not able to understand what's happening internally for me in the moment. Yeah. And I need mm-hmm. to take myself away and process something yeah, and come sure. back to it later, maybe with written words and it's not verbal. But, like, just giving myself the grace that, like, I couldn't understand that in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not something that's wrong with me. No, that's just yeah. like the way I process things. Yeah, and I'm just taking it all in in the moment. And like emotions are really difficult for me. <laughs> I need to <laughs> take a step yes. back and process them. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I had a really great experience reading 
It allowed. It was just, it was so nice. I loved it. I did not know who Jedediah Jenkins was. Mm -hmm. Never heard of him before. Fell in love with him for sure Mm -hmm. with this book. It was very, I loved it. I, (laughs) my intro to Jed, I want to say it was, uh, no, it wasn't the Call Your Girlfriend. I think I heard him on a podcast first. It might have been Sophie Bush on Work in Progress. Oh, yeah. He has been on Call Your Girlfriend also. Yeah, but I think that was more recent. Yeah. Um, so I I heard about him through a coworker and through um, the Work in Progress podcast a couple years ago. So it was kind of cool to get that intro of hearing him talk and get a try to get a sense of his kind of, uh, my first take of his like personality. Mm-hmm. And so when reading this, even though each of our voices were reading a chapter, I could feel it through... Not his lens, but like his tone and mm-hmm. yeah. with books, I, I I feel like I'm increasingly appreciating having that as I jump into a book because there are times where I'll read a book and I'm like, oh, God, that sounds so entitled or like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why are you telling me this? Like, I remember when I first started Marie Kondo's book, the, oh my gosh, the tidying up. Um, um, I'm almost at the art of tidying. Yeah, the life changing magic of tidying Tidying up. Yeah, I remember reading the intro. It's so, this will happen to you. This will happen to you. And I'm like, is it really going to happen to me? (laughs) You're being rude. Yeah. But then as I like saw her and kind of like got to see her being, you know, I'm like, I get it now. I get it. It's not like someone's like, trust me, you know. And so it's really nice when you can feel the person's tone when they write. I I really like when people write in the way that they speak. It can be very difficult and sound overly casual, but it was so free-flowing. The way this is written is so wonderfully free-flowing. It begs to be read aloud. Yeah. Is what it is. It needs to be read aloud, and when I'm reading it to myself in my head, I'm like, wow, this just really needs to be spoken Mm -hmm. because he does write like he talks. And that's what you want in a writer is for them to have such a good voice. And with no time pressure, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, this doesn't feel like a book. I, it's an easy read, and it it's just so mm-hmm. fluid. And it, it does remind me of Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, where it smashes that expectation that it's told in a linear fashion or that it needs to be, you know, yeah, like through time or, so, you know, yeah. or lead to some grand point. And I love that because it, abolishes the sense of time when I read it which sometimes I really want when I read I really want something like that that just kind of takes me away but it's still very relatable and I can ground it in my life I also like it's really exciting too like not that I will ever write a book but to see it it makes me think of representation of styles of writing and Mm -hmm. seeing people go for it and be like this is this is my style. This is what works, and have it be reciprocated by whoever publishes it and well received. It's always great to see that. So. I agree. It's nice that he presents topics, and sometimes it's just like a paragraph story, and he doesn't really tie it up into a neat bow. It's just mm-hmm. like here's a story that relates. Yeah. I don't know what this means, <laughs> and now we're gonna like just kind of process that for a minute, and now we'll move on to something else. Like. Things don't need to be wrapped up perfectly mm-hmm. in order for it to be meaningful. I remember wondering, though, as I was reading, what you all were feeling when I would read one of those transitions. Like, I felt like I needed to work in a break, but sometimes there weren't breaks really 
in the book. And so I, I w- it was one of those things where I was wondering how it was being perceived as someone hearing it versus someone saying yeah, it. Yeah, you know? I felt the same thing. Like, I didn't notice it when you guys were reading it all. But when I was reading myself, I noticed, like, oh, like, do I need to put a pause here? But, like, it's, you know. But yeah. I didn't notice it at all when you guys were reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. yeah. I Did remember wondering it. that, and I... then I never asked. So I think we had some we had some really good conversations too, following some of the chapters, and then some of them we just kind of the chapter was over, and we all just kind of sat and thought about it for a little bit, and then turned some mm-hmm. music on. It was just or like or maybe we came back to the conversation hours later. The driving is just different than anything else, and I've heard this before too. Like driving can be the best way to have a conversation because you're like actively doing something but also passively doing something and you're not facing one another yeah so like the you can be more vulnerable because you're all facing one direction (laughs) and not each other and like you know you can look out the window you can if you're driving you can be focusing on that so like the vulnerability can be higher Oh, Which man. is interesting. Yeah. I didn't even during, think about that. Well, during the death episode, I was in the back seat, and he starts yeah. off by talking about, like, his Mimi that yeah. passes away. And I, too, have a Mimi that has passed away. And I, like, couldn't handle it. I was, oh. like, tearing up. And neither of you knew it. And I didn't, like, it wasn't anything that I, like needed to share or anything but I remember like looking out of the window so much and thinking like I'm not gonna be able to get through this chapter and then feel like well it's too late because we have to get through this book like (laughs) yeah you know and And we can just be here in this moment together and you you know you can be feeling emotional and that's fine because we're like we're here but but not like needing to to like react to you crying because I know crying can be like very um responsive in many ways and I think that's why I have a hard time crying in front of people is because I don't want other people to like react to it mm-hmm. and so it's kind of nice to just be like oh I'm just gonna like have this moment to myself in the back just seat cry, mm-hmm. cry yeah. quietly and, cry yeah. yeah and and the other two are here but they don't like this is kind of my moment you know mm-hmm. I don't know it's just being in the car yeah. is nice and like you said like driving through california a lot of the book was kind of set in california because that's where jed lives mm-hmm. and it was cool i mean it was cool just like driving along the coast and like he was talking about the california coast and... i thought the prettiness of the drive was very appropriate it to fit so nicely. <laughs> yeah oh the also words. the yes. boat trip like i think it was oh, in dude, the friendship chapter yeah he talks about the um, grand canyon yeah trip. And, oh, man, just imagine, it helped to have, like, the mountains and the flatlands around just to, like, put yourself in nature. But just the imagery of, like, descending into the The Grand Canyon Canyon just felt so majestic. And then hearing about this team working, like, this well-oiled machine, and it was awesome. I'm like, man, when can we sign up for this? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get on this awesome boat trip. But also, it sounded intimidating in in a good way, in the way that nature that's humbling should sound so one thing to it lisa yeah one thing that i i think i'm still grappling with well okay i don't think this is a critique on jet or anything but in the work chapter you know he mentions like maybe it's not important for everyone to like do a job that's their passion i think if i'm saying 
if I'm remembering that correctly. Maybe we don't all need to search for that passion and go for that. But I remember sitting here, and, but then he states like, you know, I say that all being someone who has been able to do that and does, my passion is my job and I find like meaning in that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I just like, Sitting with that, I'm like, yeah, I, I totally get the point. And, you know, I recently watched the movie Soul, which also helped reiterate that point in some ways. And we can talk about that some other time. But I feel like it's, you know, it's really easy to suggest that when you are in the position of being in that job yeah. that is your passion. Like, it just feels so much easier to be able to be like, we don't all need to do that. And I, it, like, it try, I tried to put myself in the position of, like, what about people who aren't in that position? Like, it, it's not that 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 is not true but if it's something that you're looking for I, I feel like sometimes it's easier to say that when you're not looking for it you know mm-hmm. when you're not feeling that lack because of thinking like I want my passion to be my job I want these things and I don't have that you know and there's nothing wrong for looking for that you know but I also get the point that like your happiness does not have to come from finding yeah. what, like, A, trying to define what that passion is, and then B, to go find it and let it be your main source of income. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's a lot of rewriting we need to do as a country and a culture on reframing that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I agree. I think we've, like, set some of us up for failure in thinking mm-hmm. that we need to do these things. And... Whether you don't get to that or you get to that and it's not what you think it was supposed to be, it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean your life is without meaning. But I I think that topic in itself really put me in like, it's not a spiral, but like a deep dive, you know? I do wonder, but I wonder if it's like a personal thing. Because I can say like my work is not my passion and that kills me every day. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I need to find something. I like followed my passion Got it, realized it was not what I thought it was, and now I'm doing something totally different that I don't get fulfillment from. Mm-hmm. So I am still very much like, like if I had to do this for the rest of my life, I would die. Like I can't do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So I'm still very much looking for my passion, but I wonder if other people are fine. Yeah. Like I have some coworkers who have been, I've been at my job like a year and a half. I have some coworkers who have been there for like four years and seem totally fine. With just like doing, showing up, doing this kind of menial work and going home and being fine with that. So I do wonder like if it's more of a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, I mean, I've been, I, I've been grappling with a lot of the same things. I think we all are right now, especially in quarantine because we have more time to, to think about our jobs because that's all we're really oh, we have. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot too and being like, I've worked so hard for this and now I'm here and I don't really like it. And what does that mean for my life? Right. And like, part of me is like, just let it go. We'll find passions in other avenues and it doesn't have to be your main source of income. But also I spend so much of my day working and I want to like it. Right. But maybe, but I think for me, it's just like lessen, lessening that pressure yes. on myself of this needs to be the thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And just like letting go of that sense of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And it's like, <laughs> that is not the question yeah, we should be no. asking. <laughs> God, no. And like, the, they're just, there doesn't need to be that pressure. 
Yeah. This is what I'm doing for now, and then we'll I'll figure something fine. else yeah. out when the time is right. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But that's a really hard question. Yeah. And, it, well, it does make me think, too, like, thank you for bringing up the lessening of the pressure. I, like, wrote that down in my reaction, too, and I, it, it made me think about, like, when advice comes and goes into your life and time, like, you may hear the same thing over and over again, but there's a point where it really yeah. hits. You know, and I think about, like, when I was in grad school, I remember getting really into TED Talks in general, but mm-hmm. listening to TED Talks about, like, dispelling this idea of what your passion is and, like, feeling like there's, like, this one passion that you need to go, like, mm-hmm. turn into your job and if you can't define it, you know, whatever. And so I love that it's a variation on that and I love people getting that out there. But I think there's an oscillation for me of when I need to hear that and then when I need to come back to, but what is passion? Or if it's not passion in something else, like, what is it and where can it come from? Like, does it... Yeah. Whether it, like... My job is like the epitome of what I want to do every day, brings joy and meaning and purpose to my life, you know, like if passion is outside of that, like I still want to be happy at work, but you know, yeah, it's, there's but a But work lot is there. always going to be work. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to or, keep reminding myself yeah. is that even Jed, I'm sure has days where he is, has to get a chapter done and does not feel in yeah. the right mind space and it feels like work. Yeah. And, and like, that's okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read a book many years ago called Deep Work, and I don't remember the author's name, but but one of the main points I took away from that is that like humans need to work. We like in my fantasies I'm like, "Oh, I would never work. I just have money. I would only pursue like passion <laughs> projects." But like humans need that feeling of like productivity and like mm-hmm. showing up for the team and and there is something to be said about having work to do. Mm-hmm. And there will always be work to do, whether it's like bringing money in or it's just like cleaning the house. Work does need to be done and not mm-hmm. all work will be a passion. And that's yeah. just the way life is. <laughs> <laughs> the Financial Diet had a video about that. Shout out TFD. Um, <laughs> and and I, think, I think the video was, it was something about like, common advice that is I don't know if it was toxic or just like not helpful and that was one of like you know if you find your passion and like you'll never work a day in your life oh and it's God. like eh, that's not true <laughs> that's it's not lies. really helpful advice yeah no. it's set, the expectation setting with that advice just puts you in this position of like well if I'm at my job and I ever do stuff that I'm not right. immensely happy about then I must not be and doing it right this must not be the right place for me yeah, and, and it gives this true. feeling that, like, we need to, con- like, once something gets hard or we don't like it, well, well, time That's to not my passion. peace out, no. like, Bye. this is not it for me, and and now we have right. this whole generation yeah. of people that's, like, whenever I feel this way for me, too, well, this job's not really doing it for me, so I'm gonna go find something else, mm-hmm. like, there is, yeah. there is a point in, like, kind of the long haul and, like, sticking it through the hard parts of yeah. things. Well, and I think, I, I can't remember if Jed mentioned this or not, but you can also just have passion and meaning in your life through just doing whatever you're doing and, like, doing it well and, mm-hmm. like, just appreciating whether it's your craft or just like, your customer service skills or, you know, whatever it is, like, being a great friend. Those are all, like, you can take pride and, like, find that happiness in even just doing whatever you're doing in life 
at like in the way that you would like to you know mm-hmm. yeah like, yeah I've been trying to do that for myself too and and realizing that well yeah my job is not I don't think I ever want my job to be my one and only passion mm-hmm. whether or not I finally find the job that feels right for me but it's like I want a bunch of avenues in my life yeah. to mm-hmm. feel like I'm getting purpose and meaning through them whether it's my job but also my hobbies and my friends right. and like like I think there can be a multitude of ways we bring in. You can't just have one thing. Work yeah. is not everything. You're one and only. The day, and then once so. it goes south, then your life is over. Mm-hmm. Then what? You have no friends <laughs> and no job. That doesn't sound yeah. fun. Yeah, so I hear you. the The work thing is that's a tough topic. Yeah, it's kind of related. Um, but it it's not Jed. But I was listening to a podcast and I don't remember at all who it was. But it was like a relationship expert and in the way where everyone is trying to like find passion in their work um, and get all of their meeting from work. She was kind of pointing out that like your partner cannot be everything to you. And like the amount of pressure that that we put these days on the partner to be the best friend, the perfect lover, like um, your your confidant, your counselor, someone that like makes enough money or like. All, everything your perfect person where it's like that is does not exist and we need to like dispel to not myth. put this mm-hmm. pressure on yeah that so I think it relates I love that and I feel like that's also a great segue into the love chapter too where Jed talks yeah. about like you know he talks about having crushes and like his first kiss like with another man and mentions in the chapter too I think about just like the love in his life is so much like he has such a full life with love through his friendships and mm-hmm. families and you know and there are romantic partners like here and now and I but I think at the writing of the book it's not like there was a committed partner that he right. wrote about in that novel and I think that's also really nice to have mentioned and celebrated as well and I think partners as amazing as they are like we're all human we cannot be everything that one person needs from us and mm-hmm. you can try and if you achieve that that's amazing great for you you yeah. know um but you but, are a whole person without th- this idea that your partner is your like missing right. piece is not real no. yeah. like every person is is a whole being on their own. And if you find a partner to do life with, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. speaking about this from as a person who does not have a partner. But yeah. this idea that like one person can be your one and only just sets you up for failure. Mm-hmm. Not your one and only in the sense of like but, your long-term partner. You know, you but complete like, me. It's yes. Like, you are going to fix every problem that oh, I yeah. have with myself. <laughs> Oh God! I oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. it just puts too again. It just puts too yeah. much pressure on that person. And that's like a hard thing to unlearn, though. At least what I've. It I is. Don't, I don't know if it's something. I'm assuming it's something we learned like growing up. But like, I definitely have had relationships where going in, I did think like, oh, perf- you're like perfect. Love you so much. You're gonna fix everything. There aren't gonna be any issues from now on. And obviously, fell on my face a million times every time I thought that. Yeah. But it is a difficult thing to, I mean, I know it, but it's hard to, like, not. Totally. Yeah. And, like, that learning and unlearning, um, I feel that way even in my current relationship of, like, trying, like, with all the things I have learned 
in the past couple of years and trying to unlearn some of like what I was taught while being raised of like until you find that partner like you're kind of waiting and it's yeah. like you know hey life goes on and like <laughs> I, I mean like it's like but like what am I almost just sitting 30 <laughs> just sitting at my house by well, myself and that's like yeah like okay so you're waiting for life to start and then like what if what if you never find that person that really resonates with you or like you find them later in life like so was the first 30 40 years of your life Pointless. a waste you know yeah. like so there is some of that but then also like you know being in a relationship and relearning and adjusting for myself of like my partner doesn't need to be all these things and that's okay and you know finding mm-hmm. like if i'm like he's not an architecture so like we don't really talk about architect and that's fine like period <laughs> that's fine but you know like if i am able to talk and geek out with other people about it, that's fine. I don't have, like, right. not every single interest your partner, I have has yeah, to be his. Your partner doesn't you know? have to fully understand everything about your career in order yeah. to love you well. But I do get how it's complicated to then apply that into, like, is this a long-term part? Like, when you're trying to assess, <laughs> this sounds, like, really scientific, but, you know, when you're just, when you're in a relationship and you're like, yeah, we good, we good. We next level good? Like, right. are we ready for that? And I think when you have all of those um, all of those little things in your head from your childhood and upbringing about what a partner should be and all these, mm-hmm. I think it just, it adds some challenge to that of trying to see, like, am I happy? Yeah. Because this person isn't my twin. Everything. In, yeah, yeah. But that's not a bad thing, you know, but it's... I don't I know. Think, it's a mind melt. <laughs> yeah, the subconscious like expectations are very difficult to yeah. to let go of. Yeah, I've I've really resented resented that idea of just waiting around for your partner, which is so pervasive in the white Protestant um, community that I grew up in in mm. the Midwest. Like the idea that like if you're a single twenty something, then you just are like just waiting like what are you doing Mm -hmm. with your life or like a failure in a way yeah and if you're not following the equation that they've set out for you then you're doing it wrong exactly yeah Yeah. well and then it forces you okay like it can indirectly force you to just hurry up and find someone you know because you're getting older which has led to a lot of problems a lot of yeah Yeah. and then you get this idea you're like oh all the good people are taken you're like oh such a bad thought right yeah so I like that (laughs) like getting back to Jed I just (laughs) I feel like friendships like we're I don't know I think culturally we're talking about it more there's we have books about friendship that are starting to come out like big friendship and many others and I just appreciate I just appreciate talking about the love you can have of friends and the fullness of life that can come from that and feeling that like not feeling that gap because like you don't necessarily have a partner like if if you want a partner and are currently finding yourself single and are wanting that that's like that's totally fine you know and but totally I, normal yeah yeah but I think it's great too when you can open your eyes to see the love that's in your life and you know like yeah. in the support and <laughs> to transition that if we're okay yeah. with transitioning mm-hmm. which you can always bring it back um 
to the family chapter, yeah. that's something that I have because I am not um, close to my family. It's something where I have always, my friends are my family. That is how I've always mm-hmm. seen my friends and, and chosen the people that I'm closest to. They are my family. Mm-hmm. He talked about that a lot and I resonated with it because I think it's, there are a lot of people out there that are blessed with amazing families and there are a lot of people out there that aren't and I think it's difficult for I mean I still have a a good family just like things happened and Mm -hmm. and don't need to get into that but we're not you know the proper family unit that I kind of want Mm -hmm. and I think it's good for other people um who do have amazing family units to like understand that like family doesn't have to be everything right and in that way it is good to have you know friendships that fulfill you in ways that family can so I enjoyed yeah 100% yeah Yeah. and yeah it just goes back to this whole idea of like uh, our culture has put in place this certain idea of how you should live you should have this perfect nuclear family and you should have a partner at a certain age you should go to college and then buy a house and all this stuff and like a lot of people's lives just don't look like that and that is fine Mm -hmm. and finding family in people that are not biologically related to you is so cool and so normal yeah and like your family life like we were all born into families we didn't get to choose them and they're Mm -hmm. not all gonna look the same and that's fine it's not like a reflection on your character as a person I do think about that in the converse way as well like um I you know I don't know how many people are out there feeling this way too but it can be really hard at times to find friends or keep friends that you feel like you can be your absolute truest self with you know and I I remember feeling at many times in my life thus far basically like jealousy of seeing friend groups that seem really healthy and thriving and obviously like you're an outsider like (laughs) you know we don't know what's happening on the inside but you know when you like see people with friends where they get to be like their absolute truest self and are loved and respected and included and all those things you know with all of that involved you know like right. <laughs> I'm stumbling on my words especially but, as yeah. we're getting older though it's yeah weirdly difficult to make friends it is yeah. new so friends. hard to make friends and so. it's but everyone everyone I know is complaining about how difficult it is to make friends so it's not like there are people out there who are just like oh no I don't need any more friends like right. I know a ton of people who are like struggling and want new friends mm-hmm. so I'm like why can we not get past this weird barrier <laughs> like oh yeah and it means so much because I remember in college like I felt like I was struggling so much for a while to find people that I connected with and and it felt like you know <laughs> I I don't know it felt like you moved in freshman year and within that first week and everyone's like we got our friends we're good you know <laughs> this and, is the group yeah the groups are set and if you haven't it's found one so then you're strange. out and like you know over time it kind of evolved like when once you were like sophomore and older but it it seemed like it was like it felt very much like these these are the yeah. people like this is the group <laughs> And, you know, and then, like, things so shifted. So arbitrary. <laughs> so arbitrary. Yeah. But I remember, like, not, I didn't have that initial reaction. Mm-hmm. 
and felt like, damn, well, I missed the bus. Like, you know, I'm just, I guess I just won't have that awesome friend group that does everything together, you know, whatever. Hey, like, that does not have to be how your friend group operates. <laughs> B, if you see that, it doesn't always mean, like, it's not that you are missing or would be so much happier if you were in a group like that. You know, I feel like in my life, I've, I feel like I've been in a number of circles. I've never like been in like, this is the core, this is the group. And, you know, it's been great because you get to meet and be, you get to interact and, you know, have friendships with a bunch of different people. Oh yeah. But it does leave you kind of on the outskirts, which mm -hmm. at times can feel really lonely. But at the same time, it also helped reiterate to me, like after a long time that like, I'm, I'm a friend to myself as well. And like, yeah. you know, like finding that happiness That's a great there, yeah. you know, I think I've always, always had a terrible time making friends. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just like, I was so shy, like couldn't put myself out there. But mm -hmm. in high school, I was always like that. Like I'm friends with a lot of people, but I don't feel like I'm really friends right. with anyone. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I would have, like, my best friend, and then that was it. But I always wanted that group of friends, and then got to college, and it was something similar. And I think finally, as an adult, I realized that, like, I just need to be the friend that I want to have to other people. And, like, maybe I'll attract the people that I'm wanting to have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like yeah. I finally kind of figured out how to be a friend. But there's just not that many resources out there for being a friend. And... And again, going back to the relationships, like there's so much stuff out there for like oh my God. relationships, Too much. <laughs> couples counseling, books about relationships and all this stuff. But like, where is the like tips on how to be a better friend mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and showing up for your friends in that way? I don't know. Well, and I think I, I, I think this was on a podcast too, but talking about how like it's okay for friendships to just go away like Die. it's like well if you guys <laughs> yeah. disagree about something you know that's kind of like the end of the friendship and it's like well no yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can humans I... disagree and that's normal and fine yeah <laughs> but I think like you know it's taken a very long time and I'm still learning on like how to keep friendships as well and it seems like some people it seems very easy for them as an outsider judging you know but there's just there's a lot about friendships that like sh needs to be put out there and talked about and mm -hmm. like how you keep friends and it, yeah <laughs> and it must be I mean we all feel like we're not great at making friends it must be like a common it must be so common but no one's talking but no about one, it yeah like does everyone feel like they're not able to make friends like maybe we just need to like Put ourselves out there and be vulnerable and be like hey I am looking for like good friends yeah and maybe you are too like <laughs> oh, you know what? you know yeah. yeah I think one thing um that like call your girlfriend mentioned before it was they had an episode about sameness and they were talking about how when you're talking to someone and you're bonding it's like oh same here me too same here blah 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 and it's like you feel like you have to relate same. Same, you know and yeah I, I loved that they put out there that you don't need that like that's not the case but I I've, I've seen it I see it even in our friend group and other and and I'm curious because I agree with them but I'm I don't know I feel like in friendships the, like I want the tool book or just some words on like 
how do I accept what my friend is saying? Like show that I'm like receiving it and listening without being like, oh my God, same. Or feeling like everything has to be the same, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And realizing or too. Or be like, yeah, I, I hear you on that and I feel differently and that's fine. Yeah. Or even if you have different interests, realizing we can still be friends. We can still talk about other things, you know? Yeah. Or even talk about that in whatever. Like my, my roommate and I, we have... I think we have pretty different tastes in books, but I still enjoy hearing about the books that she's reading and what they're about. Even though, like, when she described it, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to read that, but, you know, <laughs> not interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Because it's right? like, there's like a friend of mine who reads a ton of sci-fi books, and it's like, I would never just pick up a sci-fi book on my own and read that. He's explaining it to me, and it sounds interesting. I'm probably still not going to read it, but, like, this is my, like, stepping my toe in the water yeah. something that I would not otherwise Never gravitate have. towards. Yeah. Like, there is – it feels like we need to be the same to be friends, but there's actually so much – so much potential for a friendship where you're different. Right. Okay, this line, page seven, right away. Who you are is the braided marriage of circumstances, ego, and the soul in that order. And I'm like, yes, Jed, yes. I need to reread this and I know. mark it up. I need to go back and read about it, read it all. So I think overall, I mean, this is just one of many, many, many conversations we've had about this book. <laughs> I think this is a book that each of us could just come back to over and over again and I think it's a nice one to just have on your nightstand or have on your coffee table pick it up and read a chapter when you have a chance totally agree yeah any other final thoughts about this one we'll check have to, it out yeah, yeah. yeah. I like we'll have to it. go on another road trip and read <laughs> yes. a book aloud yes. <laughs> this is a fantastic one so it's gonna be hard to to top to top mm-hmm. this one yeah, and, and find more information but, about Jedediah Jenkins in this book and other stuff on our website. We'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that's inspiring you or bringing you joy that you want to share, please send us an email at wrdpod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll feature you on the pod. And follow us on Instagram at wrdpod as well. If you're looking for more information, you can find all our show notes and more on our website, whatyoureadingdude.com. Music for this podcast was created by Kalindo. You can follow him on Instagram at TheRealKalindo. Stay inspired and see you next week.